Welcome to this week's podcast at Bergen Park Church from Evergreen, Colorado. We hope you enjoy this message, and if you'd like to hear any more or learn more about the church, please visit bergenparkchurch.org. Hey, we're glad to have you guys here. Hey, let me mention something that didn't get mentioned. You guys want to draw up the lights so I can see these beautiful people who've gathered here today. Uh, we have a, a women's event that's coming up. Some of you may have received this on the way in. It's on December 2nd. And men, listen, you can go, but you gotta serve. Because they're gonna have this catered and they're gonna need some, you know, some guys that kind of got it together, kind of can serve the women and we can kind of eat, we can eat what's left over in the back. Uh, but this is a women's event on December 2nd at 6 p.m. That's a Thursday. You can sign up at the Connect Center. Also, let me mention, um, we just developed or we have developed or we're working to develop an app. And you can download it now if you'd like to at, uh, whether it's Google or at um, Apple or however that works. If you type in Bergen Park Church, that app will be there and you'll actually be able to register for this today. I think at one o'clock, the registration will be open for that. But you can also go to the Connect Center. Uh, Julie Schauber is gonna be speaking. Is that right, Julie? That's awesome, awesome. Julie's gonna be speaking in this event, and so take, women, take that opportunity, and men, hey, let's step up. Let's make this uh, a fantastic uh, night to, uh, to, to serve the women in the church. Hey, if you wanna grab a Bible, we're finishing up this book called Ecclesiastes, and often it's a book that for many people, it's, it's, uh, it can be difficult to understand because depending on the translation you read, some of them say meaningless, meaningless says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. I don't need this. Certainly as I pick up this book on a Monday or Tuesday, but rather the word, is, it's this word hevel, and it can be translated meaningless, but I don't think the book is saying that life is meaningless. Rather, it's saying that life is short. And here is this teacher, this, uh, this author of Ecclesiastes who's had all these things in life. He's had joy, he's had opportunities, he's had money, he's had success, he's had suffering. And he got to the end of his life and he looked at it and said, wow, my life went by so quick. And I didn't en- enjoy the moments that I have. I didn't savor the moments with my family. I didn't enjoy that starting off in work and beginning in life and kind of getting things going. I didn't enjoy my life. And instead, as I'm looking back at life, I'm realizing how fleeting it is and how hard it is to get your your hands around life and to control it. Life passed me by. And as if this older gentleman is sitting next to us on the porch and he's looking us in the eyes and he says, young man, young woman, Middle-aged man, middle-aged woman, wherever you are, man, woman, don't miss out on what God has for you. It's not a book about meaninglessness. It's about how to find meaning. And, and hopefully it's been beneficial to you. One of the things that this book has done for me, because see, I often can get caught up in the brokenness of a moment, my, my, whether it's anxiety, anger, frustration, And it's reminded me in these little challenges in life to enjoy what God has given you. When you come home and the house is a wreck, is your house. Enjoy what God has given you. When your kids are rebelling against you, they're your kids. Enjoy what God has given you. When work doesn't turn out the way that you intended it to work out, it's your job, it's your opportunity. Enjoy what God has given. Do not allow the anxieties, the troubles, the brokenness of life to keep you from enjoying what God has fully blessed you with. Drink life deeply. Drink life deeply. That's what this book is about. 
And today we're gonna conclude it. We're gonna read uh, chapter 12, verse one, and then we're gonna kind of read the conclusion, and then we'll go back to chapter 11 and kind of follow through through the rest of this passage. But we'll pick it up in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and we'll start in verse one. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse one, the words of the teacher. He says, remember also your creator. In the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you say, I have no pleasure in them. Jump down to verse nine. Besides being wise, the teacher also taught the people knowledge. Weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care, the preacher sought to find words of delight. Upright, he wrote these words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, like nails firmly fixed to the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. So my son, my daughter, beware of anything beyond these. Of the making of many books, there is no end. Of much study is a weariness of the flesh. And the end of the matter, all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. This is the word of the Lord. All thanks be to God. Father, as we come before your word, would you teach us? Would you give us the ears to hear, the eyes to see, Father, to know you for who you are and what you want for us? Father, we're created in the image of God, but we are but dust, we are but clay. And this life is fleeting. Teach us, Father, to number our days and to live in this day today with joy and the gifts that you've given us, not allowing anxiety and the brokenness of life to steal away your glory. But Father, may we live richly in you, the one that loves us and has created us. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. So here's the conclusion. You ready? 12 chapters in. Remember your creator. Remember your creator and obey his commands. Does that fall short? 12 chapters. 12 chapters of brokenness and suffering, 12 chapters of money and success, 12 chapters of relationships, and he comes down to the landing spot and he says, listen, this is what's going to bring the most joy in life. Remember your creator and obey his commands. I'll be honest, when I read it this week, I said, that's what I got. That's what he's got to give. What does that mean? And how does that bring joy to life, life that is broken, life that is difficult, life under the sun, which what the perspective he's writing from, which means life that is broken by sin. You're no longer in Eden. I think you know that. Life is broken. Relationships are broken. Our bodies break down. How do we find joy in this life he says it starts by knowing that God is your creator. And second, trusting his word and obeying his commands. Because see, God's word and his commands, it lines up with your reality. It lines up with how life works. He's created you. And he's saying to us, remember your creator. Now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna jump back to chapter 11 and kind of see how this concludes. And hopefully, I hope within 20 minutes I can get you a place of joy where this message really will sink into the heart. That's the goal. So let's jump back in chapter 11 and pick it up in verse seven. 
And he says, listen, light is sweet. It is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So the person, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in all of them. And remember that the days of darkness will be many and all that comes is vanity. That doesn't mean meaningless. It means life is fleeting. One day you're gonna wake up and you're gonna look in the mirror. You're gonna see your grandfather. Right? Has that happened to you? You know, you take a picture and it's from that angle and I go, that's my dad. Oh my gosh. I'm 47 years old. But the days of darkness are coming. The days when your body doesn't respond the way that it used to respond, the days of difficulty and vexation, he says, those days are coming. Rejoice in today. Rejoice in today. Because see, often what we do is we live life and we think tomorrow is ours. Now listen, we think tonight is ours. We think steak tonight with our family. We think wine. We think that opportunity to get together and have friends over. And we've got the schedule. And we think that is ours. But the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying, no, life is elusive. You do not know when the hour will come. And see, if you don't live in the reality that today matters, and you don't have the next hour, you don't have tomorrow, you don't have next week, instead God's giving you enough grace for what? For today, because tomorrow is gonna worry about itself. And so if you live as if tomorrow is yours and, and that's kind of your attitude in life, you're not gonna enjoy what today can give you because see, today's gonna come with gifts, but it's also gonna come with problems. And you've gotta choose, am I gonna embrace the problems as my life or am I gonna embrace the gifts that God has given me alongside those problems? Because throughout scripture, God's saying rejoice. Rejoice. And yet he's not saying rejoice because Bad things won't happen. He says rejoice even when the bad things do happen. Have you noticed that? I mean, it kind of, it doesn't always make sense. It doesn't. James says consider it joy. Consider it joy when you have friends over. Consider it joy, no, when does he say? When you face trials of many kinds. When you face trials, there's joy in it because Because see, God is doing something. God's at work in you. He's perfecting something in you. And there is goodness even in the darkness. There's goodness even in the adversity if you're willing to remember your creator. Peter says the same thing. Just in case we miss it in James, we got another book, Peter. He says, in this you greatly rejoice. In what? In our salvation. Though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief. You may have to suffer in this life grief in all kinds of trials, but these have come so that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. For listen, though you don't see him, though you don't see him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you can be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. That only comes in trials. God is at work in our trials and he's causing us to see that life is not about what you gain. Life is a gift from your creator and if you don't see those gifts in your life, you're not gonna enjoy today. You're not gonna enjoy today because the darkness will come and you will live in the light of nostalgia in the past and you will wish for the days that are gone which means you will miss the opportunity of joy today. 
And he's teaching us and he's waking us up and he's saying, young man, enjoy today. Young women, enjoy today. Enjoy what God has given you. So he says the sun is a reminder of God's generosity. One of the things that attracted us to Colorado, you know, we lived in Boston for about 10 years. Any people that lived in the Northeast? The Northeast is great. Northeast is beautiful, but the Northeast is also pretty gloomy. And when it snows in the Northeast, the snow stays, also the clouds stay. And they just kind of linger and they put this haze of despair over life. As the snow turns brown, you know that brown, black snow. In Colorado, it doesn't happen that way. You can have two feet of snow and the sun comes out on the same day. Praise God for Colorado. (laughs) And that sun is a reminder of God's goodness. And he says, listen, even on the worst of days, when that sun hits you, it should remind you that you're alive. You're alive. And God will gift you with what you need to face the challenges of that day. Rejoice in what you have. Why? Verse eight. So if a person lives many years, let them rejoice and them all, but let him remember the days of darkness will come. And this is not to bring doom and gloom. This is to bring perspective in what you have today and in how you deal with problems and conflicts and hardships because the days of darkness will be many. And so what should you do? For the eighth time in this book, verse nine, he says, listen, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. That's contrary to the way my mind works. My mind says, complain, complain, complain. Make everyone around you miserable. He says, the days of darkness are coming. They may even be upon you, but rejoice in the midst of them. Why? Because God is your creator. God is your creator. And so he says, oh, young man, rejoice in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways, now notice, walk in the ways of your heart. If God's given you a desire, pursue it. And in the sight of your eyes, but no, but no, but no. Notice that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. Pursue the desires of your heart. But don't pursue the desires of your heart to the degree you forget your creator. Why has God given us commands? He's gonna say fear God and and obey his commands. Why has God given us these commands? Because see, God's commands line up with my reality. Now, I know when I drive around Colorado, when I drive up here, there's, I've got a Corolla, so it's not a performance vehicle so much. <laughs> it works. But some of you guys got a better, much better ride than I do. And you see that little sign that says 15 miles around, an hour, and it's kind of like around a curve. And that's a test for you. I think I can do this at 40. Because, see, I got that kind of vehicle that kind of hugs, hugs the curves. And, and it's a It's a challenge. But the reality is that sign isn't there to take away your joy. That sign's there because there's elk and there's people and we got a lot of folks that like to ride bikes and like to walk and there's slower people in those lanes and if you come around that at 30, you may have a fun time a few times but eventually it's gonna catch up to you and the laws of the road will take your life. That, that law isn't there to remove joy. That law is there to show you where joy can be found. God's commands line up with reality. They line up with life that is abundant. Jesus said, you know, I came that you might have life and have it abundant. See, that life that is abundant and free is to know that God loved us while we were yet sinners and he's given us his laws and his commands so that we might do relationship right, do work right, do life right so that we might enjoy life today. God has given us life to enjoy it. 
And he says, but watch out, young man. Enjoy life today. Now, he's not saying that somehow when you're young, you can enjoy life more than when you're old. He's just saying, don't be that person that's constantly looking back and regretting the days they didn't enjoy. Do you know who that person is? Maybe you've sat next to them or maybe you are that person. You're constantly looking back at the past and as you're looking back at the past, you're missing today and you're not enjoying what God has given you. And what he's saying to the young man is don't be in that position where you're constantly looking back to the days that were better than today because you're missing out on God's grace and his gifts today. Enjoy life. As long as you have life in you, recognize God's goodness in this moment. And so he goes on and he says, verse nine, but know that all of these things, God will bring them into judgment. God will judge the deeds of, of our lives. But you know what that also means? It means that he also will judge our lack of enjoyment in what he's given us. That's a challenge for me. That God has given us good gifts and he wants us to enjoy those gifts and recognition of what he has done for us. And so he says, how do we do that? How do you live in a life of brokenness and enjoy what God's given you? Verse 10, I think all of us need to to write this someplace that we're gonna see it every single day. And he says, remove vexation from your heart. Remove vexation from your heart. Remove vexation from your heart. What's vexation? It's the stuff you can't control. But you're angry about, you're anxious about, you're worried about. Remove the stuff you can't control from your heart. And he says, put away pain from your body for youth for youth and the dawn of life are a vanity. Set aside what you cannot control. That was chapter three. To everything there is a season. There's a time to be born and time to die, a time to plant, a time to sow, a time to build up, a time to tear down. And guess what? You don't control any of those times. And so often what our heart is vexated about, if that's a word, vexated, anxious, it's the stuff we can't control. And you know how often, I was doing this this week, I was meditating, I had some ang- vexation, I guess, in there. And one of the things that I did was I, I wrote the things I was vexated about. We're gonna, we're gonna use that word. I was vexing over. And I wrote one at a time, and I put them on a note card. Just, just one. I just wrote that, whatever word it was, and I put it on a note card, and I started going to passages where God is saying to me, Jason, I'm inviting you to bring your vexation and lay it on me. Peter says, cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. In my vexation, my creator God cares for me, and he's saying, listen, Jason, just let me have it. I wanna carry it. I wanna hold it up, I wanna support it, cast your cares. You know what I had to do? I had to write that thing down and say, okay, it's on you. Sometimes you gotta do it physically to do it spiritually. God, it's on you. I don't know how to control this. I don't know what the outcome's gonna be. I'm worried, I'm anxious about it. It's on you. And then I had to go to Philippians. You know, don't be anxious about, you know how it goes. You don't be anxious about anything. Oh, I'm anxious about something. Okay, well, this is for you. But in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. And what? The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jason, you gotta give it to me. 
You gotta allow me to carry it for you. My peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. I do not live, uh, give to you as the world gives. Therefore, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's Jesus. Constantly, scripture is saying, God's saying, I can carry it. I can carry it. I'm your creator. And you know what we do? We ignore God's invitation and we complain. You know, in Philippians, I've been meditating through Philippians and it says, live without complaining and arguing. I think this is Philippians, Philippians chapter two. I'm not sure, it's someplace in there. But it hit me because I was complaining and arguing. And it says, you know, live without complaining or, or arguing so that you might become children of God. Blameless in a wicked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life that I may boast on the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. How do you live like light in a broken world? You don't complain and argue. You thought it was something more. Because what's everybody doing? Complaining? Arguing? Do you know how attractive it is when someone is rejoicing in God and what God has given them even in the midst of their trials? Do you know what that does to other people around you? It bolsters them up. There's something more in life. There's something more in life. Whatever is bringing you vexation, if you can't control it or change it, why don't you give it to your creator? To remember your creator means give him the things that you can't change and you can't control and allow him to carry it. You know, you can't control, you can't control our nation, you can't control the politics of this world. You can vote. And once you do, you need to cast your cares on him. And you need to actually start doing something in a community where you can make a change. We have teachers in this community that are serving our kids. How can we serve our teachers in a way that brings them hope and strength and restoration? Even if they disagree with us, how can we be the people of God that supports our volunteer fire department, that supports the teachers in this community, that supports those that check that check us out, not check us out, but check us out at King Supers or Safeway. How can we actually make a difference in the lives of the people that live around us instead of just complaining and arguing about all the stuff that we can't change that's just ruining life? Remembering your creator is do the things that can actually make a difference in the lives of the people around you and give the rest to God. Trust him. Give the rest to God. Throw off vexation. And so he comes to verse 12 and he says, How do you do that? You have to remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days come and the years draw near of which you say, I have no pleasure in them. How many years do you wanna spend being miserable? How many hours do you think you have to continue to complain? And what does it bring about? It doesn't bring life. You are to be children of light. And when we, when we simply complain and argue and we don't serve those that are around us that God has entrusted to, we don't see the gifts that God has given us, we don't live as light. We look like the darkness. And so what he's gonna do in, in verses one through seven is he gives us this poem. It's a picture of what's gonna happen to all of us as age begins to take control. Watch this, it's a beautiful poem. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you say, I have no pleasure in them. 
And you could add before each statement, remember your creator. So I will do that. Remember your creator. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, before the clouds return after the rain. Remember your creator in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, meaning your arms and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows, your eyes are dimmed and the doors of the street are shut. Remember your creator when the sound of the grinders is low and one rises up at the simple sound of a bird and all the daughters of song, song are brought low and they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way and the almond tree, the hair, it blossoms, turns white. The grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners will go about in the streets. Remember your creator before the silver cord is snapped and the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel is broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who created it. Remember your creator. And then he explains what that looks like and we'll just conclude with verse 13. And verse 13, realize it's not written by the author of Ecclesiastes, it's actually someone else that's reading these words and he's responding to what the teacher says and he says, this is what I received from this book. He says, here's the end of the matter. All has been, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For see, this is the duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Be in awe of your creator and obey his commands. And I realize the reason we can do that is because Jesus lived a life of meaning. Jesus didn't rebel against the Father. He didn't reject the gifts that God had given him. Instead, he lived in obedience to the Father. He listened to the Father's voice. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. All the things that God has given us, Jesus was obedient to. And where you and I rebelled, Jesus was obedient. And in that obedience, he lived a life of meaning, but he also died a life of meaning on the cross where our brokenness fell on Jesus and his wholeness, his blamelessness, his perfection has now fallen on us. It's called grace. That by a mere statement of repentance and humility, Father, accept me on the basis of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He transfers our sin to Jesus and his righteousness upon us so that we are now the children of God infused with life, a new heart, new desires to pursue what he's given us. And see, he rose from the dead with meaning and purpose. Right now, he's seated at the right hand of God the Father and he will come back with hope and purpose and meaning to restore all things and make all things once again new. That's our hope. The gospel is our hope. So that when days of vexation come, when trials come, I can say, Father, I hate these days, but I wanna consider them joy because I know it's not the end of the story. You know, one of the verses that's been sticking in my heart just all week long, and I don't know where it is in Ecclesiastes, but it says the end of a thing is better than the beginning. Because he who began, hear me, he who began the good work He's faithful to complete it. It's not first about our faithfulness, it's about his. 
And when your eyes are on his faithfulness and his goodness towards you, regardless of what you go through in life, he will perfect you and purify you and cause you to have a heart that's like his. And you will become more and more into the image of Christ. If you're honest with him, you will confess to him and pursue him. Hey, life is not meaningless. Life is infused every single moment with meaning. When we find our life is hidden with Christ in God, there is tremendous meaning and joy. Hey, as we conclude this service today, we're gonna celebrate communion together. You know, as we're kind of getting this pattern, this is a new thing for us at Bergen Park, so if you didn't pick this up, there's probably about 20, 30% of people around you didn't either. And that's okay, because we have grace. But the elements are available. If you wanna come up right now and grab those elements and maybe pick them up for the people around you, they're also available in the back. And as we take these elements, we have to remind ourselves, this is what Jesus himself gave us to remind us of what he has done. That regardless of where you are today, maybe you're simply looking back at the past and, and you're living in regret. Well, bring that regret to Jesus, ask him to forgive you, to restore you. If you need to see life anew and there is vexation and pain in your heart, then cast your cares on the one that cares for you. And say over yourself, hey Jesus, the peace you've given me is the peace I wanna walk in. I don't wanna walk in the way that the world gives. Therefore, you need to hear the words, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let's just take a moment as we, we hold these elements in our hands and then we'll receive them together to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us and to just remind ourselves of our desperate need, our desperate need for him. Let's pray. Jesus, your words as you have trusted in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I, I would not have told you. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I am going to prepare that place, I am going to come back so that you might be with me. Jesus, you are Emmanuel, God, with us as we receive these elements of your grace, the reminder of your broken body and shed blood that has made us whole. Would we cast those anxieties? Would we cast our sin and our brokenness? Would we cast even our anger towards the things in the world that we cannot change? Would we place them, would we place them and hand them firmly to you? And Father, would you in return through the power of the Spirit give us the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness that doesn't come from us but comes from the Spirit that dwells within us as we set our hope on the truth and the light of the gospel. That on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread he broke it and gave thanks, and he says, take and eat, for this is my body, which is broken for you. Let us receive it together in remembrance of him.